Hi. So JB's visiting family today, uh, and so you're stuck with me. So, thanks. Um, so we're just coming out of the Christmas season, and uh, this morning we're going to look at some of the hope that we have in God. Uh, as we enter the new year, uh, I've heard a lot of talk about how bad the year 2020 has been, right? And uh, I keep hearing that 2021 is going to be so much better. They're just looking forward to this 2021, and we'll have that, that hope that we have in that, and that's going to be um, just a better year overall. And of course, we know that that 10-second countdown goes down to zero, and then that's not going to change anything, really, right? I mean, the rapture might happen then, but overall, we know that that's not a hope that we can place in. We can't place our hope in that, that, uh, that new year. It's not going to be a real source of hope. In the same way, the world gives us other hopes, right? It says that you get a new car, right? Man, that's what you need to hope for. Get that new car, and then that's going to be the best, and then you're going to have that. You're going to be just feeling on top of the world. That new phone, the new job even. Um, but after, after a little bit, what happens to all those new things, right? They're not new anymore. They're not new. Um, so even with this new year, the point is that there's no real hope. Like, don't place hope in that, in that day change. It goes from 2020 to 2021, and you have those three months of still writing 20 and then scratching it out and writing another 21 afterwards. Um, so today we're going to look at Lamentations chapter 3. So go ahead and flip there in your Bibles, if you would. If you're going through your Bible and you find Jeremiah, uh, just keep going. It's the next book. And Jeremiah is actually the longest word count in the Bible, so it shouldn't be too hard. So we'll see the context of Lamentations, um, Lamentations 3. Uh, we're going to look at the author uh, and the reason why he wrote it, and then we will get into the passage we're about to read. I'm going to go up and grab the clicker real quick. Okay, so Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. This hour call to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. Right, let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that uh, we're able to be here and, and gather and look at your word, look at the hope that we have in you. Um, I pray that as I'm up here and I'm speaking and talking and teaching through this, that I would be up here, but that you would be teaching through me, God, and you would be speaking to each person individually. They would be convicted or encouraged as whatever is needed. Um, I thank you that we have a hope in you, uh, and I thank you that uh, we're able to see that in your uh, powerful and living word. Put all this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so some background on Lamentations. So the author is Jeremiah, um, the prophet Jeremiah. In the Hebrew Bible, uh, the title is actually Ahau, or Alas, basically. Um, and these, this Ahau, or Alas, or the How, is actually the first words in the first, the second, and the fourth chapter of this, out of the five chapters. And the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, um, it's actually called Wailings. They're called Lamentations Wailings. It was written slightly after 586 B.C., which is the destruction of Jerusalem, um, which we can guess what he's lamenting about then, right, at that point. Um, so Jerusalem has just been destroyed. Uh, this book actually does not attribute its authorship to Jeremiah. The main reasons we believe it was his writings um, is based on the fact that Jewish people traditionally say that it was him. Um, 
In fact, the Septuagint, which once again is the Greek version of the Old Testament, says, and it came to pass, at the beginning it says, and it came to pass after Israel had been taken away into captivity and Jerusalem had been laid waste, that Jeremiah sat weeping and lamented this lamentation over Jerusalem and said, lamentations. Also, Second uh, Chronicles 35 links Jeremiah with a book of lamenting. Other evidence includes similar themes, writing styles, and the fact that the person who wrote this had to be an eyewitness to Jerusalem's destruction. So there's five chapters in the book of Lamentations, um, and they are separate laments we see here. It's like the Proverbs of the Psalms. They're each individual uh, laments. In fact, um, it's impossible to know their order exactly, and so it's probable that the way that we read them in our Bible today, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, is not the way that they were written um, as far as their order when we first when Jeremiah wrote them. Uh, Adele Berlin, a professor of biblical studies, said this about Lamentations, um, or about the destruction of Jerusalem. It was the event in which the long narrative from Genesis through Kings culminates, about which the prophets warned, and which leaves its mark on all subsequent literature of the Bible. Professor of biblical studies. So this destruction is something that we see coming in and building up to throughout the, the Bible, throughout um, Genesis through Kings. So why was it written? Um, well, we see that uh, when the law was read to the Israelites in the wilderness, um, they said, everything that God has commanded, we will do. It's in Exodus 19 and 24, they say that. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, we see next, God says, okay, you obey, here are the blessings you're going to get. Here's all these great things that are going to happen. If you don't obey, then here's all these curses. If you ever read Deuteronomy 28, um, it pairs really well with Lamentations. So if you look at the next one, Lamentations, Israel didn't obey, right? Uh, so you see that a lot of the things that you read in Deuteronomy 28 are pretty bad things with those curses. If you keep turning from God, if you keep turning from God. Um, and then you read Lamentations, you see that a lot of those things he says are going to happen, happen. And those things go, go on. So it's Jewish tradition also to read Lamentations at the yearly anniversary of the destruction of Israel. So it may have been written to commemorate that, to be able to remember, hey, this happened. Um, but the reason why it was written and the reason why it happened is because Israel said, um, everything that you've commanded we will do. God said, okay, if you do that, you'll get blessings. If you don't, there'll be curses. And then they didn't do that. Chuck Swindoll said this about Lamentations. Uh, Lamentations is a mute reminder that sin, in spite of all its allurement and excitement, carries with it the heavy weights of sorrow, grief, misery, barrenness, and pain. Okay. So, outline of this. Uh, chapter 1 deals with, uh, Lamentations is with Jerusalem in desolate condition after King Nebuchadnezzar destroys it. And then chapter 2, um, he has kind of the reason for the destruction, so all, all of that they've um, done and then their captivity. Chapter 3 is Jeremiah's personal reactions and what consolation they still have in God. And chapter 4 is God's severity in his judgment. You see kind of more outlined of what's happened. And then you have chapter 5, which is a response to the godly. And this is, um, uh, so chapter 4 and that severity of a judgment, it's pretty bad. Right? Uh, you see that people are starving. It says it's better to die in battle than to starve to death, and how compassionate mothers are eating their children. And it's just, it's an awful time going on. Um, so we get a taste of maybe why Jeremiah is lamenting so much through this. The response of the godly in chapter 5, this is a plea for mercy. It's a turning to the Lord and away from all of this disobedient attitude that they had. 
And look, if you um, are, are flipping two Lamentations in your Bible, look at the number of verses in chapters 1, 2, 4, and 5. So each of these books have 22 verses, uh, or two of these chapters have 22 in them, um, which actually is the number of consonants in the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, it's an acrostic poem. Uh, chapter 5 also has 22, but it's not actually of that same form. It just happens to have 22. Um, but some of your Bibles may indicate that um, each of these verses actually start, or, um, start with the letter of the Hebrew consonant of the alphabet. And chapter 3 is different, right? Chapter 3 has 66 um, verses, which if any of you are really quick at math, um, then 66 is triple 22. So we see that uh, every three verses in this starts with the letter of the alphabet. One important thing to note about Lamentations is that the reason is known why this is happening. The book never questions why are you being punished? Why are you punishing us? It's already known. It's known why. Um, the questions are why so severely and how long until you save us? These are the questions that are raised within the book of Lamentations. Likewise, the book doesn't focus as much on the sin, but the consequences of their sin. What's going on? So, one other thing to keep in mind before we look at the passage and the applications of this passage is this. We're not under the law. We're under grace. So the Mosaic law is something we're no longer under. Deuteronomy 28 talked about all those curses that happened. Do not, does not apply to us in the same way as it applied to the people who were reading it um, under the law. Under grace, Romans uh, 6.14 says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. We can have fellowship with God through asking for forgiveness and through turning to him in our Christian walk. Salvation has always been about faith in God. What did it say about Abraham? Right? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. We know that 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to get back so we can be in fellowship with him. But salvation has always been by faith. But our faith in him to get eternal life, and he gives it to us. But we can still draw applications. Even though this is, um, this is written, uh, we know that uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We can make application, but it's not the same application as people who were under the Mosaic law. Hopefully that makes sense. So let's dive in Lamentations now. I'm going to do something a little different. Uh, I'm going to read all of the chapter up until we get to our portion this morning. I think the context really makes these verses stick out a little more. Able to see uh, more of that. So look at me, look at me in Lamentations 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places he has made me dwell, like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. 
He bent his bow and set me the target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter the, my inward parts. I have become a laughingstock to all my people, their mocking song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He's made me drunk with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. So this section talks about Jeremiah sharing in Israel's affliction and sharing with what Israel is going through. He's going through all this suffering, all of this affliction. He's seen children dying of thirst, all of this a consequence of them turning from God over and over again. Then we get to the section starting in verse 19. So verse 19 says, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. So this is what he recalls to mind. Whenever all this is going on, all these terrible things that he's seeing and that he's experiencing, this is why he has hope. He has hope because he knows God. He knows God's attributes. He knows God's character. So verse 19 began a section of verses that describes the hope that Jeremiah has in God. In fact, it says, um, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. This word here is hased or hased uh, in, in Hebrew. It's God's loyal love. So it's his love and loyalty towards man um, through, through everything. So this part of the passage basically means God does not destroy us. Even though everything they've done, there's still always a remnant of them left. Psalm 78 says, But he, being compassionate, forgave them their iniquity and did not destroy them. And he often restrained his anger and did not arouse all of his wrath. So, through all this going on, through all of this awfulness, through all of this, it was just, all of it is a consequence of their own sin, um, is what's happening. And he's seeing all of this affliction, but he still has hope because he knows God's character. He knows that the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. It says in verse 23, it says that they are new every morning. So, Lamentations 3.23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. So God's compassions never fail either. We know his loving kindnesses, his loyal love is always there. They never cease. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Verse 23 is a reminder of manna in the wilderness for the Israelites. Right? Israelites wanted food after led out of Egypt, out of captivity, and God gave them manna, which would be on the ground in the morning for them to gather. His compassions are new every single morning. And we know God is compassionate. We know God is love, right? God is so quick in the Old Testament to stop the judgment from coming. Through many of the prophets, God says, but turn back to me and I will bless you. Just turn back to me and all this will stop. God is infinite in his compassion. So here's an example in Joel. Uh, He says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your hearts and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindnesses, and relenting of evil. So there's always an option to turn back to God. And if you notice back um, in Joel, it says, and rend your heart and not your garments. He desired them to turn back with their hearts to him, just to turn to him. 
So there's always an option to turn back to God. We know that in our Christian walk, we're able to turn to God. God is still compassionate, and his loving kindnesses still never cease. He's the same then, he's the same now, he's the same forever. So we need not to view God as him up there waiting to smack us down after we sin. He's there waiting for us to turn back to him. In our Christian walk, we can still sin. And he's waiting for us to turn back to him, not for salvation, but to be back in fellowship. Salvation comes by placing our faith in Christ for eternal life, and he gives it to you the moment you believe. Turning back to God after salvation is to be in fellowship with him, to get grace and get help in the time of need. Hebrews 4 says this, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So the hope that we have actually comes from God's faithfulness. It comes from God's faithfulness. <clears throat> he has promised us eternal life, right? Place our faith in him, he's promised eternal life. And we know he's faithful to give us that. We have a future hope to look forward to. We know that God is who he says he is. He is faithful, he's loving, he's kind, he has compassion. And we know that he has promised to give us eternal life and he's faithful to do it. Verse 24, um, God is being compared to, uh, God being his portion is being compared to an allotment of land that brings the necessities of life. So we see um, that all of this bad stuff is happening uh, and that Jeremiah is experiencing. In Lamentations, he's lining out everything that's happening that's just awful. But he says, this hour called to mind and therefore I have hope. And he lists God's character and who God is. And the fact that God brings necessities of life. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope in him. So through pain and suffering and all of this, God's loving kindnesses never stop. His compassions are new every single day, and great is his faithfulness. So when we hear about the hope from this world, we hear about the hope that this world has, that it offers us, remember that we have a real hope from God. The world says, all right, 2021 is going to be so much better than 2020. And it might be. It might not be. It might be worse. Um, I personally love 2020. I got married in it. It was great. Um, but uh, some people have had some hard times. It's been, it's been a lot going on this year. But our hope isn't just on the next day, because the next day can disappoint. And a lot of times it does, and we've experienced that. But we do have a hope that's sure. We have a hope in God and who he is and his faithfulness that we know we have eternal life. And we know that we have that future hope to look forward to. The world has no certain future. There's no guarantee this world will get better. And in fact, we've seen it getting worse, right? We've seen it going downhill. So we do have a guarantee that God remains the same, and we have a guarantee that he fulfills his promises. I was told to keep this short, so some application. Um, Recall to mind who God is, right? Recall to mind his faithfulness in hard times and in good times. Good times are bad. We can know that his loving kindnesses and his compassions never fail. Also, set your hope in God. Place your hope in God because his faithfulness is great. He never changes yesterday, today, or tomorrow. So don't get caught up in the world's hope that it tries to offer us, but instead place our hope in God who never fails and can actually offer us hope.